So turn in your Bibles with me into 2 Corinthians, and we're going to go into chapter 6, verse 3 through 13, to continue into the heart of the disciple. But before we do, I just want to go to the Lord in prayer and just thank Him so wholeheartedly for the fact that we have hope in Him, the amazing, incredible God that we have, the indescribable God that we have, gives us great hope. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much, God, that you are an indescribable God, an amazing God that we serve and loves us so, so much. Father, thank you so much for the, for the songs that were sung today, God, that you put into the hearts of our men and women here to sing to you. God, may those words and, and the, the ideas and the, and the scriptures and those just be pounded deeply into our hearts. God, that we would be brought back to those even during this next week, maybe when we're discouraged and we think back about some of these songs, Lord, that were sung of how amazing that you are. We thank you, Lord, for your scriptures today. God, teach us through these things what you want us to hear today. God, that we can be encouraged in your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So today we're gonna go into some scripture here to continue again into the heart of the disciple in 2 Corinthians chapter six, uh, verse three. And so just hold your place there for a little bit. I'll get there. For, for those of you who've maybe just been visiting, I think we've, I'm just looking around. We have a few that have been visiting for a little while. Uh, maybe you're fairly new to our church, but for all of you, you know that uh, for our church, we're a fairly, I would call a simple church in a good way. And, and people want to know kind of what kind of a church do we have here, a church body. I say we're fairly simple. We do things the way that God has given us to do, but we don't try to complicate it too much. We don't have a lot of ministries. We have good ministries, and we want to stay faithful to those. We're a family church, right? We have a lot of families here that are connected either by marriage or just by friendships, Maybe you were invited here because one of your kids knew other kids in soccer, and so we've developed these relationships. We're a family church, and we want to keep it that way as well. When, when I think of family, I think of that closeness we have with one another to encourage each other and, and to go through life together, right? That's what we want to be. We're a gospel-driven church. We have the gospel at the center of everything we do. It's what drives our church. And that's important. For many reasons, we want to remain a gospel-driven church. A few of the problems today that we have in our churches, not just in the United States, but in many parts of the world, is that sometimes we're not driven by those things. And we can do a lot of things in churches. Some will make church too easy. By that, I mean, you can go in and sit and be entertained. You know the churches I'm talking about. You can go in and enjoy those things. The kids can go in. They can have all kinds of things and the food, the fun, the joy, the laughter, the games, all those things. You can be very well entertained in a lot of churches. Makes it easy to want to go. You can have churches that really want to avoid conflict. They want to avoid that. Keep that low. Bury those kinds of problems because we don't want those things to ripple and cause people to want to go back home, right? Churches that have no depth, their, their instruction, their preaching, even the songs themselves can lack that depth that God intends for churches. So churches will do those things and they'll make it easy and it makes it fun for a little while to be involved in that kind of church for a while. Or... You have the flip side of that. We can make it so hard on people to even want to go to church. We can put in all kinds of rules and expectations that, that we want to place on people to be part of this church family. You're, you're looked at with very careful inspection along the way. And anything you do and everything you do has to be within certain expectations and, and rules that we follow as, as a congregation. And there are churches that way. All those things and both of those things can lead people to rejecting the church and worse yet, they reject the message of 
the gospel. Either one of those is not what we want to be. Those are church things that we can fall into if we're not careful to be driven by the gospel and not fall into that. We carry a very urgent message. We carry a message for the world of hope and we spoke this last week in the sermon in the previous uh, chapter before that and right at the beginning of this chapter. Last week, Pastor Josh brought us the message of urgency at the end of chapter five for the Corinthians to be reconciled to God. In, in that, the, it was restated, the gospel goal in verse 17 was to become a new creation. And Paul was urgent that the people would accept this message, the reconciliation so that we could become a new creation in Christ. And that urgency is still here. It's urgent for us in the same respect that it was for Paul. And so when we look at that and we see that we are workers together with Jesus and we plead with you not to receive the grace of God or the message of God in vain, we don't want people to reject that message. We want to be people who will receive that, who give the ability for others to receive that. And, and many people in Paul's time were rejecting the ministry of Paul and so had rejected the message. And Paul was adamant that they would look at his ministry in such a way that they would see he was faithful and sincere in what he was presenting to them. He had been a part of a ministry before that, which would have been ultimately an insincere faith. Before Christ came along and met him on the road of Damascus, he followed the rules, the laws. He was in one of those kinds of churches that inspects you very carefully for what you do. But they could do whatever they wanted beyond those rules. The Corinthians saw that as well. As long as I do this, this, and this, and this, and this, I follow these rules, then I can do whatever I want to do. And you could twist those rules any way you want. And Paul saw that in some of these churches as well. No wonder that the people had missed the heart of God. They had been rejecting the message because they had missed out on all of this. And Paul had been part of that. So Paul continues to emphasize that his genuine heart is to do whatever it takes to help them to see the hope of the gospel. And that's his ministry. So, so Paul has given his life to this ministry. Everything about him he's given himself to. Paul had seen Jesus change his very soul. His life was changed when Jesus came in. Our lives were changed when Jesus came in. He had committed himself to a mission that had completely absorbed every element of his life. Paul's heart, his energy, his, his very being, everything about him, his physical body, everything had been committed to the lives of those people so that they could see the message of hope in Jesus Christ. And he was concerned about them. And he believes everything he says. Now for some, they can stand up here and say these things and they don't necessarily believe it. They can go through it, they can fake it. And they don't believe it. But Paul earnestly believes what he's saying to these people. Do you know what sincerity really looks like? Today we're talking about the sincere, sincere disciple. A sincere disciple is not phony. A sincere disciple is simple, they're honest, they're real. So today we're going to take a look at these verses and see what Paul's sincerity looks like and reflect that in what our lives should look like as well. So let's take a look at those verses and read through those. In verse 3 it says this, Paul says, we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots and labors, sleepless nights and hunger. 
Verse six, by purity, knowledge, and patience, and kindness, the Holy Spirit, and genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors, and yet are true. As unknown and yet well-known. As dying and behold, we live. As punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, and, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, and I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Today I want to talk to you about a few things of the sincerity of the disciple. Sincerity is marked by a few things, and I'm going to list you five, and they're in your bulletin here. One, humility. Remember the ministry belongs to God. Remember who we serve. Remember what God brought us through. Remember what God gives you. And remember our hope. So in verse 3, where we start, we see first that we put no obstacle in anyone's way so that there will be no fault found with our ministry. Paul's purpose in, in being careful not to offend or, or put the obstacles in the way is so that, there's a purpose here, so that the ministry is not damaged in any way. The ministry comes before Paul. The ministry becomes before you and me. It's, it's God's ministry. It's, it's not ours. We don't own it. So we take care to represent uh, God in such a way so that we always point to him and not us. We, we don't need to be the reason that the message is rejected, do we? There are always going to be people who look at us and say, see, those church people, they're a bunch of hypocrites. See what they've done? They falter and fail just like us. They'll find any excuse to dismiss the message because they're looking at us and we see, they see us falter and they don't like the messenger. So I saw in the news the other day, there was, uh, and I think it was just this week, some preacher was caught in an act of uh, grabbing a woman during the service, something they were doing. And I didn't look any further than that. And it really doesn't matter whether he was right or wrong or guilty or not. The very fact that it was put out on national news, this is a narrative that feeds the idea that Christians are a lot of self-righteous, loony people that like to judge other people. And it becomes a roadblock for a lot of people who want to, who need to see the gospel. So the Southern Baptist Convention, they've been going through some struggles, and if you aren't aware, they've been in the news recently. I just pulled it up yesterday just to see what was in the news now. The first thing that popped up was an ad listed, you may qualify for a lawsuit. Now, there's a first thing you want to have, right? So there's a, a perception out there in the world, right or wrong, of what we're doing as believers. And we don't need to feed that. Let's just be honest about it. You and I are prone to wander. Even one of the songs we sang talked about that today. We are prone to wander. It happens. You, you are commanded to grow in Christ, to become more holy as God is holy. And, and yet we struggle, don't we? But we can help each other along the way when we're struggling, when we go through those things. If you find yourself struggling and God's spirit is working on you, you need to reach out. Find someone who cares about you and you can spend some time with them We, we can so easily put on um, a front when we get in those places and we're struggling. Moms and dads, the work you do, 
as a leader in your home, you're a minister for God. And you get in those places where you're struggling and you put on a face because you don't want others to see that. You can be a teacher, a leader, one of our class leaders downstairs, and you're struggling and you put on a facade and you're not sincere and you're not real about it and you put on that face, that's the time you need to stop and ask some help. Go to a brother or sister in Christ and ask for, look, I'm struggling in this area, someone you trust, and ask God to forgive you and he'll help you. God is there ready and waiting to forgive you. God is always ready. You'll find rest in him and, and then you can continue to grow. See, we, we wanna be real about this, don't we? because the sincerity means something about what we represent, the ministry God has given. It's his ministry. Secondly, in verse four, not only do we remember that the ministry is God's, but remember who we serve. In, in, this, in this first part of verse four, it says this, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in, in every way. Several of the commentaries I pulled up uh, to read through this uh, spend most of their time in this section looking at Paul's statement about commending themselves and what that means. But I, I want you to don't, don't miss this part. The part where he says we are servants of God. Remember who we serve when we are ministering for God. It's vital to understanding how you are to be genuine in everything we say and do. We don't serve a weak and empty God. We serve a powerful, interacting, loving, caring God who is very active in everything we do. He is active in his creation. Psalm 146.8 says this, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widow but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. That is our Lord and God that we serve, and so it's his ministry. But guess what, we serve a minister who is master of all existence, and, and we have our confidence in the master. Our every breath, yes, it depends on the master helping our breath. But don't fear him. Rejoice that you know the one true God. And I want to ask you for just a moment, those of you who have accepted Christ in your lives, pause for a second and just remember, do you remember when you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember the joy you felt when you understood truly what that means, that you serve God, that he is your Lord, and you've been forgiven. Do you remember what that was like? I remember such a relief in my heart that I knew Jesus. It's as simple as that. The one who loves me and cares for me and redeems me. The one who gave his life on the cross for me. The one who gave me everything. Jesus Christ, the almighty living, holy God. Amazing, isn't it? Just like the songs we sang today. John Stott in The Cross of Christ said this, it was God himself giving himself for us. Those, thus he who humbled himself even to death on a cross was none other than he who being in the very nature God made himself nothing in order to become human and to die. It was the Lord of glory whom the rulers of the age crucified. And the blood by which the robes of the redeemed have been washed clean is that of the Lamb who shares the center of God's throne. So Paul is saying here, in just these few words, I'm a servant of God, has a whole lot underneath that. And, and he's saying here that based on my relationship with this holy God, because I'm a servant of God, 
I can commend myself for all these things I've done for you. All of the beatings and, and, and striving that I've gone through is because I know who I serve, the one true God. We are well known to God, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.11. And Ephesians says, we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for his good works. We have God that we serve. And so we remember the ministry is God's. We remember who we serve. And thirdly, we remember what God has brought us through. So in this section here where he says, by great endurance, in verse four, it says great endurance, the afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, he could go on and on. All of these things he's gone through. Paul is saying by great endurance, I've gone through these things. I did not run away. I did not run away from all of these things. And, it, and boy, wouldn't that be easy to do. From all the troubles he faced because he wanted them to see not how great he was in all of this endurance, but how he wanted to do this for their sake. He endured it for them. So wherever Paul went, <laughs> there were riots or upheavals of the government. He was imprisoned. And many of the people he was with were imprisoned. Wouldn't he be a great one to follow along with and be part of his ministry? You would enjoy that, wouldn't you? Be part of that excitement. Find yourself in prison. When Jesus had called Paul specifically into the ministry, he did warn him of everything that would happen to him, didn't he? He said that you would suffer my, for my name's sake, Paul. I'm going to use you, Paul, but you will suffer all of these things. So Jesus was fully aware and fully warned Paul of what would come. And Paul did it. Jesus had called Paul specifically into this ministry. And it wasn't long after his conversion on that road to Damascus, just a short period of time, and he started preaching Christ, and wham, the Jews started to plot how to kill him. And they said, we can't have this. And very soon after that, there was in Acts chapter nine, and you can spend some time there, it says five times the Jews flogged him, 40 less one, which is 39. They had a law that said you could do up to 40 lashes and no more, so they would go to 39, just to make sure that they didn't miscount somewhere along the line. See, they were following the law very carefully, so they would flog people 39 times. Now, this isn't just like giving a little paddle on the backside of your, your bottom. This is flogging, and Paul endured this. It says five times. And most people would go through this. There would be nothing left, and they would suffer and die eventually of of whatever after that. But it also says he was beaten three times with rods. He was stoned. He was laughed at. He was betrayed by his friends. He went through all this and he didn't expect, you know, coming into this ministry, you're gonna get a golden chariot, a nice retirement fund, and lots of people uh, will follow you along and you're gonna get a penthouse at the top of the Colosseum we're going to give you all of this, Paul, and enjoy. That wasn't his, right? There are a lot of ministers in this world, and I'm talking about full-time ministers, who expect those things. And Paul certainly was not. And Jesus had warned him, look, you're going to face all these things. So when he, look at, when he looks at this, he explains to them all these types of things he went through. Now for you... Jesus also warned us the same thing, didn't he? You're going to go through sufferings. You're going to go through trials. Just go back in your life for a moment and consider all that God has brought you through. When you look at what God has brought you through, you may have endured a lot of things and endured them. Some, some things may have been very difficult for you to even get through. And I'm not even just talking about struggles brought on by this world. Sometimes it's your own sins or sins of those around you. And if you, can, if you can look at all those types of things, and maybe some of you are still going through some very difficult struggles right now, some health issues, some struggles with your kids, relationships that you have, some decisions you've got. But you go, you've gone through those things before. Think about all those things God's gone through with you. 
just be real about this for a moment. You've gone through some sleepless nights for your kids, haven't you? I have. There have been times when I just could not sleep and Karen would find me out again on the couch somewhere and it's like, well, I, I woke up and I couldn't sleep any longer. I have to leave, I've got to do something because my, my mind was going for my kids and, I, and I'm concerned for them. Okay, none of you are like that, are you? I heard it, I understand. None of you are like that, okay. Heartbreaks. You've gone through some of those things. But he comforted you, didn't he? He came alongside you and he brought you through that. He gave you comfort through a heartbreak. Broken, feeling hopeless. Think about that. But maybe he sent someone along and they gave you a hug at the right time. Maybe a word of encouragement and they asked, can I pray with you? And they did. Think about those things where God has brought you through. All those things, those difficulties of your life. Remember those also who came before us, who sacrificed. Think of the missionaries that are even the reason you and I are here. The missionaries that came along and gave the gospel to somebody along the way, and we are here because of it, who sacrificed. Preachers. Moms and dads that sacrificed and gave. Soldiers who fought to give you and I the freedom to even be able to stand here and preach the gospel today. So remember when you're struggling, remember the promises of God and what he's brought you through and those who endured with you. So as we become sincere disciples, we remember the ministry is God's. We remember who we serve, what God has brought us through, and now we remember what God gives us. In verse six it says, by purity, knowledge, patience, and kindness, the Holy Spirit and genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God and the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Paul was not merely gritting his teeth through everything that was happening. He wasn't becoming a bitter man, an angry man. He could have easily. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is what you see here evident in his life, in his ministry. The anger is not what came out because of all of this. That would have been easily something we could have fallen into but he had patience with the people he ministered to. In patience, it says, Paul explained the gospel to people who he had to go and correct to teach again and again. His patience showed when he was reminding them of things over and over, even in the letters of Corinth, uh, to the Corinthians, you see this in the first letter, and then this one here, which is the third letter. He's reminding them again and again of some of the same things he's taught them before but he's patient to do so. He would build up a local church body, give them instruction, get people in place, show them everything they're supposed to be doing, spend a year with them, and that's his ministry to do. And when he left, sometimes the ministries would fall apart. And he'd have to go back again or send someone else to go back. And he would do that because he was patient to do that. Remember, that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. And you and I don't like to be patient. We want to hurry up and be patient, don't we? It's easier to just move on when things falter and fail. But remember, the ministry is not yours and mine. And so we go to the ability to rely on God's Spirit and His gift to be patient with those we minister to. It also says that he had genuine love. Genuine love. Paul had a genuine love for the people he ministered to. He gave his heart to them, everything about him, remembering them with fondness and treating them as even his own children. Remember in 1 Corinthians how he wrote 
how his love was the thing that undergirded and drove everything. Chapter 13, yes? The same people who he had to be patient and endure all these things with. He says, my love is what drives this. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm what? I'm sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. It's as if it's nothing. So I can do all of these things, but if I don't have love, a genuine love, you miss it. And it's not sincere, and we're not a sincere disciple. So his sincere love here is evident. In, in the battle, when we're going through all the difficulties of life, and we're struggling through all of those things that you may be currently struggling with, we forget the fruit of the Spirit. It's easy to drop those things. The patience, the endurance, the love, the care, all of those things. The hope, the joy. Remember, one of those things of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. When we go through those difficulties, what we'll often do, we want to just cover it up. We cover up the hurt, the anger, the bitterness, the frustrations we feel, the tiredness we feel. We might even be able to pull it off for a little while. We put on that front, and we might be able to show the smile just for a little while. But you know what? The people that are very close to you and love you the most will very quickly notice this. My wife noticed it this week on me. She's the closest one I have. And she noticed it. And that's good. Because we need people to notice those things about us, don't we? When we, when we falter and fail like that, we might put on that facade and, and pull it off for a little while, but it's gonna cause certain things to happen. Pretty soon, we're gonna have a failure of ability to tell the truth. Suddenly, the words come out differently because we're trying to put on a face that does not represent truly what we are and where we are in our life. And, and it has the words in here, by truthful speech, Paul says. We can also forget the power of God to get us through these things. And never mind the weapons he gives us at the end of this section of verse 7 here. It says, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand. And the right hand represents the weapons of offense, the sword, the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. One of the things we often do when we become insincere and put on the face is we forget to go to the word of God and find out what we should do in those times of struggle. <coughs> the weapon of the word of God is there for you. Don't forget it. And in the left, the left hand, God gives us a right hand and a left hand. Isn't it amazing how he gives us two hands? I was just thinking about that this week. Uh, one of those odd thoughts I go through, he gives us all kinds. So the left hand, um, I often get odd thoughts like that. The left hand represented the, left, uh, the, the weapons of defense. See, God gives us a shield, the shield of faith. Thank you. The shield of faith, which we quench the darts of the enemy. And so we, we, we forget to put up the shield of faith that we have that God's given us to shield ourselves against all of those struggles that the Satan is pouring onto you in those times of struggle. You're in the battle, you need a shield. You need the sword, go to the word, and you need your faith, go to that shield of faith that God has given you. In those times of struggles and we put on the face, we forget those things, don't we? And what it causes at the end of it all is we can endure everything and we lose our joy because we're struggling so much that we've lost our joy. Are you there? Have you struggled so much and you've gone through those things, you've lost your joy? Remember the words of Jesus. I came that you might have life. And not only that, I came to give you life more abundantly. I mean, I didn't just come here to let you just live. I came here to give you life abundantly, a joy-filled heart that you can live together with other believers through the struggles. I'm not taking you out of them, but when you're in the struggle, I'm gonna give you joy. 
Isn't it amazing what God will give us and we forget that he is ready to give to us during those struggles? Because we're putting on the face and not being sincere disciples, we lose that. Now here's what I lost this week. I was not in joy and Karen was not enjoying my loss of joy. <laughs> and she noticed it. I was in my heart, I was down. For a number of reasons, I had some discouragement. And then as I'm putting this message together, and this is what God does to you when you preach the word, he takes you through these things so that you can preach it personally. And I said, Pastor Josh, I'm not sure I like this when God takes you through the struggle so that I can represent it well to you, but that's what he did. And he gave me this verse which just gave me joy. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Incredible. And with that, my heart was changed. The words of Jesus Christ in the sword gave me what I needed at the moment in the battle. So I encourage you, remember what God gives you. He gives you your word, his word. Go, it, go into it, find it. He gives you those things. We remember the ministry is God's. We remember who we serve. We remember what God has brought us through. What God gives us. And we remember our hope. Through honor, through dishonor, through slander and praise, we're treated as imposters, and yet as true. As unknown and yet well known, as dying, behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Paul was slandered. He was made to look like a fool at times. He was made to look like he was peddling something that was false doctrine. As soon as he left, people came in and tried to say, no, 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 that's not how God's word is. And they would try to take back everything that Paul said and make him look like he was on some kind of ego trip. Maybe he had a power grab that he wanted to have over the people. But Paul knows without a, very, without a doubt that his words are true. His conscience is clear. How? Well, he remembered to keep it very simple. He remembered to, re to put his words in a way that led people only back to the hope found in Jesus Christ, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how he did it. It's, it's when we try to complicate things and we try to add in all kinds of worldly things that we want to add in to make it more impressive, to make ourselves look good. We even add in our own ideas of what scripture means and our ideas and our behaviors become part of the message. That's when it starts to falter and we get into trouble. And, and the way we stay with that is we stay with the truth and we don't become imposters. So when we find our hope, we find it with sticking with the truth. Let's stick with the truth. Our confidence is found in the solid foundation of God's word. We find hope when the world wants to knock us down and, and put us down and call us all kinds of things. God promises never to leave us, never to forsake us in those moments. And like Paul, they try to kill us, and yet, we're still alive. Paul says, you've tried everything on me. You can do anything you want to. You can flog me, you can beat me, you can knock me down with rods, you can put me in prison, you can do everything you want. They can do that to you as well, people. They can. And they may someday do that to you because you believe in the truth of the word of God. And yet when we speak the truth in the word of God and we depend fully on him who we serve, the God of the universe, they cannot kill us. We are knocked down, but not knocked out. We persevere because God's word is true. Isn't there great hope in that? 
persevere and endure through those things. When your kids bring back things from the schools that changed what you've tried to say into something else, and you speak the truth in God, you can have confidence in that. Don't stop that. Stay true to his word. We are not imposters because we stick with the truth of the word of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you. We stick with the truth. We keep it simple. We lead it back to the gospel of Jesus Christ and we won't get mixed up and become imposters and ruin the message. We stay true and we stay real. We can find hope when sorrow fills our hearts, when we're feeling rejected, powerless. And we can have joy because God is the great comforter. Psalm 37 says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his right hand. That's our Father. He upholds you when you're feeling cast down. And through those moments, man, God shines through. That's when he gives his greatest hope to you and I, is when we feel cast down. Karen and I were able to go a couple months ago up to Kansas City and visit her Aunt Edna. And we've mentioned her to you several times to pray for her Aunt Edna. She's been going through cancer. Her husband, Mike, had also died a few years ago of cancer. And so she's going through this battle, and she's already been through this. She knows everything that's coming. And we're sitting there with her one day and uh, talking about going through things and going through battles. And you can feel knocked down and powerless in those moments. What do you do? I'm talking with her and, and I find out that she's been sending verses to her grandsons, biblical verses. And we're sitting there and we're talking about her having hope in Christ, and she does. In those moments, I'm finding her a, a, a great, honest person that she's still hurting through all of these things, and yet her hope is found in Christ because she's found what this verse says. Our steps are established in the Lord. Though I fall, I shall not be utterly cast down because the Lord upholds me with his right hand. And she knows that. And so going through those difficulties, she can still minister to other people while she's being open and honest about her own struggles. And by doing that, she's found great hope. So remember the ministry is God's who we serve and brought us through. Remember what God gives you in his Holy Spirit and all of those things he's enabled you with and his hope that he supplied to you. Therefore, and now I love the therefores. When we come to the therefore, we want to look back and then we want to look forward. God gives us a good reminder. Therefore, Paul says, when he finishes, we open our hearts. Because of all of these things I've just listed to you, because of this God that I serve, therefore, we open our hearts. We have spoken freely to you. Corinthians, our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted in your own affections. And in return, widen your hearts also. Be like us, Paul says. I'm open to you. One commentary said the very fact that Paul was cataloging, putting all this list together of all the things he's gone through, the weaknesses, the sufferings, he put them all in writings for the Corinthians, that should testify to his openness. Who else would submit a list of his own failures to his critics? What preacher, he's a preacher of God's word, would admit he was perplexed and troubled? But Paul did. He was very honest. He submitted it to their own inspection and examination because he knew that God was his final judge, not them. Paul spoke from an open heart. He, 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 he had no fears about representing God in this way and opening everything he had to them and laying it on the table. 
because he knew who he served. Now, Paul was a very cerebral man, a, a student, a teacher, Professor Paul here we have. You can go through all of these things. Uh, but his heart, his heart and his love for them was very evident. He poured it out on them through all of those things. So it was abundantly strong. And, and so strong, in fact, that he was willing to endure all these mountains of hardships for them. A emotional roller coaster of a worry and concern over them to win them to Jesus and to see their hearts changed. He was willing to do that, to be open and sincere. Everything he went through was for them. Remember as, as sincere disciples, we're talking about being sincere, being real and open, just like Paul in this. Remember that this ministry you and I have, whether your ministry is to your kids, whether it's your husband, your wife, a cousin, a son who's not received Christ yet, your ministry that you've been given in whatever respect it is, if you're doing a ministry here as a teacher for our kids in Awana, remember that ministry is not yours. That ministry is God's. You're in that position for a little while, you have those kids for a little while, and then they're gone, right? This is, this is God's ministry. Your responsibility is to take that ministry and be real, to be true in it, and let God have that one. Because we're gonna falter and fail at times. That's just who we are. Remember that we serve the great redeemer who saved you and me. The great redeemer of all mankind. He's the one that owns this, this ministry. He conquered the world, death. <laughs> he put death on the cross and he conquered death. He, he helped us through countless difficulties in our past and he will continue to do that. Remember that God gave you his Holy Spirit to overcome the enemy in faith. So stay close to Jesus. Stay close to God. When you consider what a disciple is and should be, and you all are disciples, you all are in the ministry of some sort. You are ministers. Remember last week we talked about being ambassadors. You're all ambassadors. Guess what? You could say, I'm an ambassador to anyone. You also are a minister. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're part of his family, you are a minister, a child, an adult. You are a minister. And so as you go through these things, consider that you are to be sincere in your faith so that you can represent him well so that the gospel is not impeded in the life of those you are ministering to. And pray that God would use you mightily because he will. And in those times and struggles when you're going through things that you don't know how it's gonna turn out, remember the God that you serve will have a pathway for you. Trust God in those moments when you're struggling through those things. And some of you are going through those things right now. Let's pray. Father, I ask today, God, that the words that were said would be your words and that your spirit would be free to move in our hearts. God, that those who are struggling even right now would remember what God has been faithful to do in our lives. You are the great redeemer, the one who is faithful to do your plan. Father, you sent your son on the cross to redeem us of our sins, to forgive us, to give us new life and life more abundantly. God, for those who have lost their joy, God, work on their hearts today that they would find rest in you and come to you and be open and real and honest with you. God, even right now, that they would find their rest and their hope in you and their joy again. For others who are in a position where they're struggling just to get by each day and they don't know who to turn to, Lord, help them to find a friend in Christ who is willing and able to sit and just listen, to go through this with them. 
And Father, that you would help them to come to you and find their hope in you. Thank you, Lord, for our church, God, that you would help us to stay faithful and true and honest and sincere as a church body. God, that we would not be phony, that we would not put on a show, and that, God, we would not impede the gospel, but that we would be lights that would send forth your gospel with the urgency that it needs. God, that souls would be saved through this body. Father, that you would use us wherever we are in whatever ministry we are to be servants of the almighty living God. For a moment, I'm just gonna be quiet and let you pray. If there's anyone here who needs some time in prayer to seek someone to pray with them, we do have someone up front that can help you through those things and just sit and listen. Maybe you're going through some difficulties and you just need someone to listen. Come up front into this room to, to your left and, and we'll pray with you there. If, if, you, if you just can't, find one of us after the church service and, and let's sit down together and talk. But God, help them to do this today. Father, it's amazing how you find the perfect message for the right person at the right time. That you know our very hearts and everything that we go through. God, that you're with us through every step of the way. And you're faithful. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good and gracious king. The king of glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.